Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. This week, we are going to talk about purposeful movement, the golden ticket to strength training for performance. Now, last week, we heard from Miguel Aragoncillo, fantastic interview. Also, again, just like Dan John, we, we honestly could have talked for two or three more hours uh, and really gone down some rabbit holes. Uh, Miguel will definitely be back on the show at some point here in the future um, and is a fantastic coach. So if you have not uh, checked out his Instagram, make sure you are doing that as well as following him over on Facebook. Now today, before we get into you know talking about purposeful movement, uh, just two quick announcements. Uh, number one is the Strength Training for Cyclist Certification is open for enrollment. So if you are a coach looking for how to build purposeful movement, uh, how to build a strength training program year-round in order to allow your athletes to be able to progress, uh, this is the certification for you. Now, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it is spring. Now is the time to take this course. Uh, there's a number of people who signed up in the fall, and then the emails come in and say, wow, there's a lot here. I don't think I'm going to be able to implement it uh, all right away. And then you're playing catch-up, essentially. Now is the time to start with it. And that doesn't mean that it's not useful for you in the fall. It does mean that if you like time and you're the type that likes to tinker and you want to try stuff on yourself, now is the time to enroll for it. Now, if you're in the summer hemisphere, then this is also the time. Now, granted, it's uh, late summer, uh, so February is equivalent to about August. Uh, now is the time. That's why we're doing it now. Uh, now is the time for you to be able to take those different parts of the certification course, go through them, learn the different movements, figure out how to put stuff together, uh, and then we'll also release it earlier in the in the fall, this coming uh, fall, just to allow coaches in the Northern Hemisphere to have the same lead time. So a lot of different uh, added additions to the course, including resources with more books for you to be able to look at or other resources like Dr. Lisa Lewis's uh, course on uh, psych skills for fit pros and a number of other fantastic resources that will help you be able to build up upon the foundations or alongside the foundations that this course gives you. Secondly, uh, we are in the middle of February, almost the end of February. So if you are looking to take your strength training uh, and allow it to convert over to the bike, uh, email me, Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E at humanvortextraining.com because uh, we're getting ready to release a 12-week strength training program uh, for power and speed. Uh, now, this includes both on-bike interval work as well as strength training work. Uh, so if you'd like the details for that, make sure you are emailing me, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E at humanvortextraining.com. Or if you're on the HVT free weekly newsletter, uh, you have already gotten the ability to hit reply and let me know that you're interested in this. So fantastic program. It's been in development for a couple years now, and I'm really excited to release it out to the wild for people to see more uh, strength on the bike. 
All right, now purposeful movement. Uh, what exactly is this and how do we get there? There are a number of different considerations and many of these are covered in the Strength Training for Cyclists certification. So I'm not gonna go super deep into these, uh, but Miguel and I kind of breezed over a couple of them uh, in the podcast last week and uh, just wanted to give you a bit more insight. So let's start off with breathing. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't really uh, give enough attention to. I know I didn't. Uh, It's just now starting to catch on in the general public, uh, general coaching theme throughout the the different levels. Although, you know, at the USA Cycling Coaching Summit in 2018, I think there were about 10 or 15 people attended the uh, lecture on breathing. And unfortunately, I didn't get to meet with the uh, presenter. Uh, But I was was really disappointed that there were only uh, a handful of coaches really interested because that really is... Um, the basis for everything we're doing, right? Uh, movement is on top of that, but your ability to breathe and breathe well, get movement in the right places, it acts like an oil uh, for a lot of the joints of the upper body. As cyclists and triathletes, our rib cage tends to get tight, uh, our upper back tends to get tight and rounded in a kyphotic uh, curvature or, or that hunchback uh, because most of us are on computers all day or at desks. And then, you know, in Corona, we're at home watching Netflix, whatever it may be, reading books, you're still looking down and forward in that posture. And breathing can really help you get things moving much better, as well as change the internal environment. And that's really where purposeful movement starts from. So uh, I just had uh, a phone call a couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago at this point, uh, with a a triathlete. tested negative for corona, but we do think that it was a false negative because the the, the signs and symptoms are mostly there. Uh, they were functional. They weren't stuck in bed, but the recovery after and a few of the symptoms that they had during lined up very strongly with uh, a very mild case of corona. And in their line of work, they're, they're in a high exposure uh, risk group. And one of the things that, that we started with here was to get them to work on their breathing and meditation more. And that, that was their decision, not mine. So I said, Hey, what do you think is going to ground you? Like he said, walking the dogs, uh, breathing as well, uh, can really help, uh, or meditation rather. And that focuses in and around breathing. So the first couple of times, just let him go through and do the meditation, get started. We started with five minutes, uh, just building up the muscle of, of getting repetition and getting him into the habit of making time for himself and anchoring his days. And then we got into specific breathing exercises. So there's a number that we like here at HVT. Um, those are going to be uh, shared with you. Uh, you know, we have crocodile breathing, hands overhead breathing. Uh, again, in the, the certification course, I go over some of these as well as the books. Sphinx breathing is another one. So the, the vortex method, my first book is out there. Uh, you can pick that up and, and see those basic level breathing exercises. But that's really at the core of everything that we do in that getting you to be able to breathe better, relax tight muscles, and you would be amazed. I posted a couple weeks ago, the end of January, I was 2.53 in the morning. I I couldn't fall asleep uh, for whatever reason. I think it had something to do with the course. We had just, uh, we've been going back and forth about adding something to the course. I'm like, I don't know if it's ready. Uh, I don't think we actually ended up adding it because uh, it wasn't ready. Um, but essentially, I couldn't fall asleep. So I posted and a lot of people put on stuff with screens and this and that. And a couple people mentioned breathing. Box breathing was one. Ken mentioned box breathing. Uh, and another one was uh, specific time of breathing. Now, this is going to change the internal environment. When you start to actually breathe and take your time, inhale through the nose over five seconds, hold for a count of three, and then out through the relaxed jaw for a count of 11, uh, this has a big impact on your internal hormonal environment. And this allows you to be able to clear out a lot of stress, allows you to be able to dial down the acidity, so to speak. Now, if you're a physiologist, I know it doesn't actually dial down the acidity. It just introduces uh, or allows 
Well, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far. It does decrease the acidity in the muscle because just even a 3% constant contraction of a muscle is going to lead to a buildup of acids because the blood flow is not able to get the capillary exchanges in as much. So if you actually breathe better, you are going to decrease the acidity. Let's not go down that rabbit hole, okay? So no, no emails on this. I know it's complex. I know that's very simplified, but let's just leave it there for today. Um, but breathing really is at the basis of it. So each session that starts with the breathing serves two purposes. Number one is to decrease the amount of stress in your body to relax muscles because loose is fast and fast is loose. You cannot be an explosive athlete or in our case of cycling and triathlon, a pulsing athlete because that's really what we're producing as we go down the road. We need to be relaxed in between foot strikes on the run and you just do a a little bit of a, a pulse to allow you to just generate a little bit of energy through that spring. That's what great marathon runners do. They're micro pulses as they go down the road. It's the same thing as you go through the bike. It is these small micro pulses of strength that you're producing down to the pedals to allow you to move efficiently. And this is where riding is very much a skill. You need to be able to learn how to handle your bike, braking, cornering, bumping, all these different things without tensing up. Because as soon as you tense up, you lose that ability uh, to be able to produce these pulses as you go down the road. Um, and this is also where the breathing comes in because we're also changing the internal environment. When we change the internal environment and we dial back the stress, the life stress, I know for me, uh, the last couple of weeks, I had a, a week ago or a couple of weeks uh, rather that I got three workouts in in a week. The big difference for me was in the evenings when I was playing with my son on the floor uh, and he was playing nicely by himself, I just focused on my breathing. I closed my eyes and I focused on my breathing. And that changed my internal environment enough that when I got up and we went through bath time and bedtime, uh, I was actually feeling refreshed as opposed to what I normally felt, which is really tired. You know, we're talking about 7.38 at night. It felt like it was midnight. Uh, and then, of course, after that, it's back to work and all the other stuff. Um, but just that act of breathing really helps you dial back things and it allows you to focus yourself in the moment. If you let it, you can also let your mind go wild like I did that night at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, but the breathing sets the tone for everything that we're going to do. And this is the, the core of purposeful movement, getting good breaths. And there's a number of tools. Again, Strength Training for Cyclist Certification course goes through a couple of them as well as the book. So you can check those out. Now, once we have that done, uh, recognizing what exactly we're looking for out of our purposeful movement and the end result is what's going to drive our strength training programming. Now, uh, the running, the cycling, the swimming is very purposeful movement that needs to be practiced regularly. Uh, we're not going to get into that because then we're going to talk about on-bike skills, running skills, the technique of running, uh, tissue qualities for running. Uh, so we have a, a triathlete here that we've been working with. We've rebuilt her run over two years, and we're just now getting to the point where she's finally starting to produce these pulses of as she goes down the road as opposed to and you can hear it in, in the runners. I mean, you, you can watch the film and you can hear it and see it. It's like they're, they're running through uh, Laffy Taffy that's been left out on the dashboard of a car in July uh, in Malibu. I mean, it, it's really, really obvious that they're not producing these pulses. And you have to set the foundation of, of what we need. And this is where we're going to turn into the purposeful movement and the meat of today's podcast episode. And that is for the strength training. There has been an obsession if you remember the 90s commercials, Obsession. And there was uh, some fragrance, I don't remember who it was by, but Obsession. Uh, brilliant advertising campaign. Um, it was an obsession, or has become an obsession, with lift-heavy stuff. 
And that is a problem because as cyclists and triathletes, uh, we do need to lift heavy stuff. We do need those adaptations. But when you focus more so on the lifting heavy stuff, you're not actually getting that pulsing that you need, that pulsing power to be able to move down the road. And this is one of the many reasons why I really love kettlebells. Yes, again, I will say it. We need heavy stuff, but it is in the appropriate amounts at the appropriate times. And too many cyclists and triathletes are now having soft tissue joint injuries, uh, soft tissue and joint injuries, excuse me, because they are lifting heavy stuff too frequently, number one, uh, or with poor technique, number two, because their ego says I need to lift heavier, or because their coach says, well, go up and wait this week, because that's what the program says, go up two and a half pounds every week on the bar until you can't do uh, that many sets and reps. I'm not going to say the specific approach. Uh, those of you who are following it will know exactly what I'm talking about, where they say you need to add two and a half uh, pounds every week to the bar. And then when you can't complete the given number of reps, 25 reps or 30 reps, uh, that you stay at that weight until you can do it. That is a very, um, how do I put this nicely? Ar- uh, uh, <sighs> It's a very low-level way of looking at progression, and it's just saying that if there's more weight on the bar, I've progressed. It can work for powerlifters, but powerlifters, even then, I mean, I've had a number of athletes come to me, uh, cyclists and non-cyclists, actually, with back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, because they followed this specific approach, and uh, it just broke them because there was there is no dialing back. Now, there's a lot of other approaches, but let's just say this: when you look at it in a linear fashion, even you know, and when I say linear, you may be stuck at that weight for three or four weeks, but you're still looking at it as as soon as I do this, I need to go up in weight. You've now lost the purposeful movement. You're just focusing purely on neural drive which is an important aspect of or part of what you need to develop, but it's not developing a purposeful movement. Now, let's take a a step back and uh, look at lifting heavy stuff. Now, a number of triathletes uh, in particular uh, are lifting heavy stuff three days a week during their base, and then they do nothing the rest of the year, or very little the rest of the year, no heavy weights, a little bit of weight training. This is a big problem. And I talk about this in my book, I think it's chapter six or eight, I can't remember. Uh, but essentially, I talk about how the training age uh, for a given athlete, let's let's call her Laura. Um, actually, let's use a guy, let's make it easier. And I, I know you guys know that I understand the female physiology and everything. I just want to make this as simple as possible. So we're going to call him Gary. Gary's 37. Uh, he has been doing triathlon. Uh, let's make it even easier. He's been doing cycling for 12 years. And uh, every year from January to March, uh, for those 12 years, he has been doing quote-unquote strength training. He'll head into the gym, he'll move barbells, whatever else. Gary's training age for the bike is 12. He's been riding year-round. Granted, mountain bike, road bike, uh, cyclocross, and now gravel a little bit, but he's riding bikes year-round, at least four days a week or six to eight hours a week. So Gary's training age for cycling is 12. But when it comes to his purposeful movement, he has not done enough training stress consistently enough for the strength training for him to actually be considered 12 years old. He's done three months for 12 years. Okay, so three months out of 12 years. uh, So that's going to give us what, 36. Now the thing is, because he hasn't been doing it um, year round, he's lost those tissue adaptations. So he hasn't been purposeful with his movements. 
You see what I did there? He hasn't been purposeful with his movements. He's doing strength training for three months out of the year and then stopping. So he's not purposefully gaining anything. Because of this, he's been doing three months a year, 36 months over 12 years. You would think, okay, well then 36 months is three years old. No. Gary is going to be one quarter of 36 months old when it comes to training age. Nine months, not even a year. Why is it so little? Why is this such a little amount, Coach Brody, when he's done three months every single year for the last 12 years? How is that nine months of training? How is that equivalent? The tissue adaptations aren't there. The nine months is more of the neurological side of things. He's learned how to produce, hopefully, how to do these movements better with more efficiency and to move with better purpose through those movements, but he hasn't been purposeful with those movements and doing them consistently. So he hasn't got the tissue adaptations every year. He's starting from scratch. He spends nine months out of the year not really doing much weight training um, or just doing core, whatever that is, which for most of you out there is the stomach. Please, coaches, if you're going to be a good coach, the core is everything between your neck, your elbows, and your knees. And really, it should be the whole body, but we, we've got to be able to you know, translate something. So proximal stiffness for distal motion, you've heard that in my strength training for cycling uh, success course and the strength training for a triathlon success course over on Training Peaks University. Uh, but it really is. Everything between the neck, the elbows, and the knees needs to be stiff in the right amounts at the right times in order to allow distal movement. In order to move your hand away from your chest to push a door open, you have to create stiffness in through the entire uh, core or trunk, uh, which is neck, elbows, and knees, everything in there. Um, so really important um, that that there's so much that we need to, to be able to understand in purposeful movement. And it all comes down to, number one, coordination and getting the right muscles to work at the right time uh, in the right amounts. And that's really what it comes down to. And, and too many people uh, are missing this. Um, they are not able to go through and, and actually see themselves uh, progress uh, because they are just worried about the weight on the bar. And that's not the way to go. That is not the way to go. We really need to make sure um, that as you go through here, that you are actually seeing the right muscles work. And this is something I'm very guilty of. So my, my coach will tell you that there was a time uh, not too long ago when we were doing sumo deadlifts with a pause at a specific part. I won't say where because um, uh, it is really, really uh, dialed into me. So I don't want anybody out there to, to start going uh, and just mimicking what I was doing. Um, essentially, I was stuck on in order for me to progress that I need to be able to do more weight. And that wasn't the point of the drill. And I knew that. I knew that. But my ego got the best of me. My ego got the best of me. So instead of saying, okay, well, I'm going to stick with making sure that I'm getting the right movement from the right places, the right muscles, especially when I get to the last one or two reps. And these were sets of only five or six. It really was a very, very light, um, very, very light, uh, low rather, uh, amount of weight and light repetition. So the volume was very low. So we weren't looking at anything. And I was like, oh, this is too easy. Oh, man. <laughs> the reason I do that is because I know that I have another number of athletes out there that have done the same thing. So I saw that, hey, you know what? This is too easy, so I'm going to make it harder because that's what I should do, right? I need to be at a seven. Well, the goal was for it to be a, an RPE of five in the end. Um, and essentially, really what we're looking for 
is for you to be able to go and be able to dial into your needs through understanding uh, what the purpose of the session is. So this is something that, that as I go through uh, is really, really important uh, to communicate to the athletes. There are some times where we'll repeat the same session for three to four weeks. And the athletes go, I think there's something wrong with my training plan. Why, why am I doing the same program again? And it's because we're refining the movement patterns. So the purpose of the training program uh, at that point is actually to refine the movement patterns. We're not looking to add weight. I want you to be able to do this, go from an RPE of seven to an RPE of five with the same weight. And a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? It needs to go up in weight. In order to be better, I need to go up in weight. Well, it, it, doesn't, really, it doesn't really work like that. What, we're, what we really want to get out of this is to improve your efficiency. You're a, an endurance athlete, right? You need to be able to endure. So thus, it should take you less energy to be able to go out and complete this is really what we're looking for. And this is uh, really, really missing, I think, for a lot of people in the strength training realm is that if the weights don't go up or the perceived exertion doesn't go up, they are, in fact, losing their ability and not gaining. And that is a huge problem. And I, again, I'm guilty of this. I did this myself. And a lot of it is we convince ourselves uh, that it has to be done that it has to be done this way, right? And that's not at all the case, not at all. Really what we're looking for is for you to be able to move more efficiently. So as coaches out there, uh, you know, there's a number of, of issues. Uh, the biggest one is definitely right now, because it'll change in five years, the pendulum swings and it goes side to side, back back and front, whatever, you, which way you wanna, you wanna say. Um, when you go through this, it's going to be right now, uh, hey, well, guess what? I have not actually seen uh, progress because my weights haven't gone up. That Those are verbatim what people have, have written me. I haven't gone up in weight, so thus I'm not getting better. And then when we look, well, let's take a look at your RPE. Oh, it's easier. Yeah, so, well, if the same exercise is easier, wouldn't you say that you've gotten better at it? Sure. What's your point? That, that That's exactly my point. You've gotten better at it, so it takes you less effort to do the exact same thing. And you're doing it much better. The technique is better. Yeah, but it's not heavy weight. And then we go through the loop again. Do you, do you see how this purposeful movement ties in to being able to pulse yourself down the road? At what point in our sports do we have to go... Hopefully never, or when you're grabbing a handful of brake to avoid a, a crash. That's it, right? There's never going to be this, this gigantic output of force over a slow grind. Now, again, it is needed. It is needed. It is needed. It is. It is needed. I, th I think that's five times I've said that. It is needed. Six. Just to be sure we get to at least five, so it gets through. You say something at least seven times. It's needed. It's needed. We do need the heavy strength. So heavy weight, low repetitions are necessary, just as sets and reps and weight loading appropriate in the muscular hypertrophy side of things are needed as well in the correct amounts. Now, if you do it for too much, if you do either of these for too much, you are training the wrong properties. Now, we're going to get into the weeds here just a little bit before we wrap up for today. The 
Purposeful movement can happen in any set and rep scheme. There are some cyclists and one or two triathletes that come to mind where we did heavier weights, fewer repetitions after doing a, a hypertrophy for quite some time. We stuck in that, that side of things longer because these are people who tended to be much more uh, flaccid. They were very loose. They didn't carry a lot of muscle tone. And I needed them to learn uh, and or to try and see if they could learn the skill of neural tone. We needed them to be able to fire everything together. And Two of them, it didn't work, and we saw that relatively quickly, and we we backed off, and we went to time under tension instead, so we did a lot of tempo stuff, uh, longer tempo, longer holds, where we're getting stiffness that way, and they saw fantastic results. Um, three of the others uh, saw good results. One of them saw fantastic results, or like, I've never trained this way, I've never learned how to put force out like this, and it carried over to their bike because they learned how to be force, as opposed to just... Uh, dialing back and you know not being able to go through and 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 be able to produce that force because they would get to the end of a race the last three kilometer and they didn't have they already didn't have any tone in their body so they didn't have the ability to con, you know contract and relax because there was no contract it was already loosey goosey at that point um, and this is what we need to think about when it comes to purposeful movement so I know you were probably thinking you know we start off with breathing we're getting into specific squats and how to execute a specific way. It has to do with how you're choosing your movements and how purposeful you are with choosing those movements. So although every single athlete here at HVT is going to go through four of those five stages of the periodization as laid out by BAMPA, anatomical adaptation, muscular hypertrophy, max strength, uh, maintenance, uh, sorry, excuse me, conversion to sport-specific strength, we won't all go through maintenance. And many athletes uh, barely get to uh, conversion of sport-specific strength uh, because we're doing that throughout. So there's no specific period because they have to learn how to ride a darn bike. They have to learn how to run with better technique throughout the year. So that conversion to, to uh, sport, I have an athlete right now out of Texas. He's done a lot of strength training. He's done a lot of riding. Now we're putting that stuff together. We're two weeks in and he's like, holy cow, I'm so glad that I decided to do the on-bike and the strength training because I totally see how everything ties together. His words, not mine. Um, this is what it's all about. And this is where it's a purposeful movement. So uh, break out of that that thought process that strength training is just high weight, low reps, or uh, avoiding hypertrophy because you're going to ruin your athletes. Every single set and rep scheme uh is going to have more benefits than others. It's going to be weighted one way or the other. It's not an off and on and off switch. It's not you do uh, set three sets of six to twelve and automatically your athlete's going to puff up. If they're not riding enough, if they're not doing their endurance sport at least five to seven hours a week, yeah, there's a good possibility they're going to put on muscle. Uh, in fact, I have an athlete who's up uh, four and a half pounds right now. He's the second heaviest he's ever been, but his watts per kilo haven't changed. So I said to him, we're going to need to dial down the volume on your strength training uh, because that means we're getting too much hypertrophy. We don't want that much. We need to either bring your riding up, which is impossible because of his work schedule right now, or we need to bring your training volume down. Um, and we'll see. We'll see his responses. We just started that, so we'll see in two weeks. Uh, but ideally, what I'd like to do is see him uh, slowly come down in weight. And he says, oh, okay, my weight's now at, you know, let's say 165 instead of 167. Um, and it's just happened because we're keeping the volume of strength training and those adaptations in balance to how much or how little uh, riding he's doing. Uh, and again, it's based around his uh, riding. So I'm not going to stop strength training. 
but we are going to dial it down. And we've dialed it down about 30%. So I expect, uh, fully expect, uh, and he does all the other stuff right. He's sleeping. He's getting the recovery right, the adaptations in between. He's skipping sessions or pushing them around later in the week if he needs to and communicating, hey, you know what? On today's ride, I stopped at this repetition because I felt my power wasn't repeatable uh, or it wasn't repeatable, etc. So as we go through this, this is what purposeful movement is. It's not just following a training program and executing it with great technique. It's being purposeful in how you're selecting things and how you're matching them. So how you match your on-bike to your uh, running uh, and how you match your, excuse me, your strength training and how you match your running to your strength training is going to greatly matter in the results you're going to get because you need to be purposeful with that. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Make sure you are sharing it with three to five others who need to hear this about purposeful movement. It's not all heavyweights. It's not avoiding hypertrophy. It's getting the right amount at the right times and matching it and being very purposeful throughout the year to maintain your strength training as you go. So make sure you're subscribing. Give us a review. Until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HB Training. Until next time, Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.